0: You're listening to The Great Recruiter Training Podcast, hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me in another episode of The Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about two things. First, we're going to talk about a virtue that I think is critical for a recruiter becoming successful, and that's a sense of urgency. Why is it important and how do you develop it? Secondly, we're going to hear an excerpt from one of my weekly coaching club calls where each week I do training for about 15 to 20 minutes on a different aspect of recruiting. And that's going to be with dealing with life's biggest frustration, the internal recruiter. How do you deal with people that are your advocate or adversary depending on the relationship inside your client organizations? I'll give you some ideas on how to manage that effectively. But first, let me tell you about some upcoming events and these are still tentative on the calendar. But I'd recommend in the next few days go to my website and click on the speaking link because as a lot of you know, I'm not speaking at industry conferences anymore. I'm speaking at the California chapter uh, CSP this coming May for uh, doing the 2-day rookie series and I'm doing some breakouts on Saturday, but I'm just I'm really cutting back on my presentations for the industry. And every once in a while, I'll do a seminar on my own, and I'm going to do two of those this year. They're going to be two-day seminars on client developments, the same program that I used to do in Vegas, but I'm going to do them in two different locations. One of them is going to be in San Francisco in July, which is a good time to be there. It's going to be on a Thursday and a Friday, and I'm still working out the details. And later this fall, I'll hold a two-day client development clinic in Washington, DC, more than likely at my office. So if you're interested in either one of those, check my website, go to the link that says speaking, and you'll find the information and you can register. Now, let me share some insight with you on how to develop a sense of urgency. This is something whenever I do in-house consulting, which I still love to do, about once every other month I'll go into a search firm's office and spend time with their team And their management to really find out what their issues are and come up with customized solutions to improve performance and every time i do this i always ask the owners of the search firms if i could wave a magic wand and solve your biggest challenge what would it be and nine times out of ten they say i want my people to develop a sense of urgency so why is this important i think part of that is because of the nature of our industry there's a saying tkad time kills all deals When you delay on a search and you hesitate in pursuing and taking action, some other recruiter is going to pick up the phone. Success in our business is based on very thin margins. You might miss a candidate within a few hours when somebody else is going to call that person. I really believe this, that if you want to achieve mega success as a headhunter, it's about getting better a little bit at a time every day in all of your life areas, just a little bit those small margins are going to add up over time into big dividends for you. And one of those small margins is a sense of urgency. By you picking up the phone, starting a little bit earlier, staying a little bit later, and being just a little bit more aggressive about hitting your goals and having that urgency, that's where your mega success is going to come from. I really believe this, that if you put 100% effort into executive search, you'll get 100% return. If you put 80% effort into it, you're going to get about a 40% return. There is this tipping point, this threshold between 80 to 100% effort that yields huge dividends. And the only way you're going to get that is by having that sense of urgency. Here's another concept I want you to consider. It's a variable of synergy. Just like I mentioned, you want to get better a little bit in all of your major life areas, a little bit more every day in your skills, in your time management, and your ability to make better decisions strategically about where you spend your time. And that sense of urgency is going to help you do this. Here's some other concepts I want you to consider. Now there's a video on the freebies page on my website. It's free for you to watch. It's at the, you'll see it. It's the only video on this page. Go to the freebie section on my website. And it talks about how to use the telephone discipline tool. There are four aspects of success and how to manage your time. Number one is your intention the direction that you're going in. Number two is your ability to focus and do one thing at a time. Number three is your intensity. That's the amount of energy you apply to accomplishing a task. Number four is execution. It's how well you do what you're supposed to do. All of those four areas together combined result in success in anything, not just executive search or sales, But in anything, if you want to get good at anything, focus on that model. What's my intention? What's my focus? What's my intensity? And what's my execution? How can I get better in those areas? Here's another reason why we want to have a sense of urgency. You don't miss opportunities. Because of the margins being so small that mega success comes from, you can miss out on a candidate by a few days, sometimes a few hours, sometimes by a few minutes, if you hesitate. Well, let me call that guy later. Some other recruiter is going to do that. Now, this has happened to me before. There have been some recruiters I've been given names from my clients to go call and I'll try to reach them. And then a few days later, the client says, another recruiter got us that candidate, so thanks for playing, but we already got him in our database. But you know what? I feel pretty good about myself because I made the effort to try to reach that guy, even though I wasn't the first one to get to him, I tried not to miss that opportunity. Instead of hesitating, instead of falling a victim to call reluctance or some other distraction that I seem to put in front of myself, which is why I create systems to keep myself on the phone so I can start early, stay late, stay late, and and be, be, be aggressive in hitting my goals. Listen, I'm just as screwed up as everybody else in this business. I'm not one of these superstars that has all this natural talent. Believe me, I don't. I'd rather go play golf or go play cards all day with my friends or go watch movies and goof off and watch watch Netflix all day instead of make cold calls. That's my natural state. So I come up with systems to build in this sense of urgency. It's a systems model. If you follow the system, you'll get the right results. You might not have the talent of a Picasso, but join me in going to Walmart and getting that $12 paint-by-the-number kit, and you know what? You can't tell the difference between the two paintings. That's how I teach the business and that's why people are successful when they use my content and they achieve major success. And I hear from people every single day and I'm very grateful to make that sort of an impact. Let me go back to the content here. Let's talk about how to develop a sense of urgency. Here's four steps for you. Number one, think through about your intention. Now there's three different ways I want you to do this regarding your intention. Number one, I want you to write down your weekly targets and your daily targets. Okay, I want you to have some clear direction as far as what you want to hit every week and every day. You got to write that down. Even if it's only one outcome, such as make 20 conversations or have 20 conversations or make four hours worth of phone calls, whatever it is, write down what your daily and weekly targets are. Number two, have a written plan, a guide on how your day is going to be managed on an hour-by-hour basis. Do that every single day, and you'll see how much more effective you are in your execution. Number three, create a to-do list. On my to-do list, I separate or I segment the action items based on categories. So I've got three categories. I've got my desk. I've got my training business where I only spend about maybe one or two hours a week in my training business nowadays. I'm not doing coaching anymore. Uh, I might do, like I said, maybe one or two training gigs a quarter and that's about it. So I don't have a lot of action items on that, but I do have some items I have to take care of every other day, it seems. And then number three is administrative. So that's kind of how I divide my time into those three categories. You want to look at the categories that take up a lot of time and create your action items. Just do a brainstorm, just brainstorm, just put them all on a sheet of paper, segment them by categories, and then start prioritizing your to-do list. That's going to help you build a sense of urgency. Number two, watch the clock. You want to time your activities. You want to think in your mind, let me see if I can get this activity done in the next 15 minutes. So for myself, that has to deal with the administrative items. I want to see how quickly can I get this accounting process done. I want to see if I can get this done in 15 minutes. So you're timing your activities. It's almost like a contest that you're, you're playing against yourself, really. Have some fun with that. Another aspect of watching the clock is to set your alarm related to activities that can distract you, such as internet research or things that you don't really enjoy, such as internet research. Okay, I don't, I don't enjoy it, but I have to do it. So I'm going to set the timer. I'm going to say I'm, I'm got, I've got to spend 30 minutes doing this mind-numbing internet research. So I'm going to set the clock on my iPhone for 30 minutes. And I'm going to see how much I can get done. When you do that, it creates that contest with yourself to hurry and get those tasks done. Another aspect of watching the clock is to just be cognizant of how much time you're spending on activities. It's so easy to get distracted. For myself, I've probably been distracted about 20 times so far just today. And right now it's not even one o'clock in the afternoon. Just be aware and be cognizant of how you're spending your time. Tip number three, This is a tip I got from Brian Tracy from one of his training programs I went to back in, who knows when it was, a long time ago. And he said, successful, well-managed salespeople always ask themselves this question throughout the day. What's the best use of my time right now? And that's a habit that I've developed that's gotten me out of trouble. Because like I said, it's so easy for me to get distracted. By asking that question, what's the best use of my time right now? It keeps me focused in the game of recruiting, and it keeps me to have that sense of urgency. And here's a final tip for you, number four, track your activities every day for a week. If all of a sudden you feel yourself to start to get soft or you've lost your mojo and you don't have that sense of urgency, just write down every action that you take from Monday through Friday, eight o'clock to five o'clock in a journal. Just write it on a blank legal pad, right? Monday at the top and then write down each activity that you're doing. Maybe you can print out a blank calendar and as you have your day scheduled in front of you on your daily plan, compare what you're actually doing against the daily plan and see how many times you do something that you didn't plan on doing. I hope that makes sense for you. Now, let's listen to a recording, an excerpt that I'm including from the coaching club here on how to deal with the most frustrating people in the world, internal recruiting.
1: All right, so thanks for joining me on another one of our regular weekly coaching club calls. We've got some new members. If you've never been on this call, there's usually three two or three different phases. I do training for about fifteen to twenty minutes. Then sometimes we open it up to the group to share celebratory moments and we'll do that today. I want to hear some good news, everybody. So uh when I come to that time, go ahead and raise your hand and tell us what your good news is. Any deals that you've closed, any retainers you sold, or you know, just just your happy people are Returning your calls. We want want to hear about that. Then the final phase is Q&A. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to talk about internal recruiters. Good gosh. How do you deal with this? You know what my problem is as a recruiter? I don't drink enough. I mean, really, that's my problem. I, I need to numb out when I deal with internal recruiters. And I'm kind of joking when I say that, but there's a lot of seriousness to this because if you deal with those internal recruiters inside the company, it can be extremely frustrating. We lost out On a $100,000 fee, I think a lot of it was because the search wasn't managed well by the internal recruiter. But let me give you some perspective. On internal recruiters, where their job is to take the candidate from the time it's submitted or to go and find the low-hanging fruit on the Internet and put them on their company, uh, there's about four different perspectives that they have. One of them is that they're easily intimidated. They're easily scared because they know their position is vulnerable. Anytime there is a cutback, usually these are the people within the HR department that get cut. Secondly, they're making their decisions about who gets hired based on self-preservation and not necessarily what's in the best interest of the company because they have a mandate to hire people at a reduced cost, which means not through third-party search firms, and the two things they look at, number one, is cost, and number two, how quickly can we fill it? From their perspective, they usually don't look at the quality of the hire or other aspects of that. And uh, here's an example. The, uh, their company says, we're going to beef up our internal recruiting department. We don't have to pay search firm fees. Well, if that's the whole logic behind it, they're inherently going to be reluctant to deal with search firms, even though they know that's where the best candidates usually come from. So if you're an internal recruiter and you deal with a third-party recruiter, you're basically showing that you have little value to the company. And so that's the perspective. So when you deal with internal recruiters and you're wondering why they're not getting back to you, there's always a reason for that. Just like in poker, it's a game of incomplete information. If we played a game of hold'em, and you're wondering, what's all this betting and check-raising and everything going on? Well, you don't know because you don't see what the cards are. But as soon as you see people turn their hands over, now it makes sense. Oh, yeah, there was a flush draw. So that guy had nine outs. So Oh, wow, so he had a, he had a 30, 36% chance of hitting his flush. Well, then the turn came. Now he's got a straight draw and a flush draw. Now, now you know, So now you know that he's got 12 outs, so he's got a 24% chance of hitting his card on the river. And it all makes sense when we have all the information. So anytime you're dealing with a third-party recruiter and they're not getting back to you or something squirrely is going on, there's always a logical reason for that. We just don't know what that is because just like Texas Hold'em, uh, recruiting is a game of incomplete information. And many times those internal recruiters are going to make decisions based on self-preservation and not what's in the company's best interest. Another aspect of this is that it takes longer for them to trust third-party recruiters. Because they know that in some ways they are a competitive threat. So it's going to take longer for them to trust you. And the fourth one, sometimes these recruiters are weak internally, and they cannot give pushback to their own internal customer. Let's say you present an amazing candidate, and you know this candidate's amazing, they know the candidate's amazing, but the hiring manager, for whatever reason, doesn't give any information why they're passing on the candidate. Their job is to present the candidates and facilitate the process, and that's it. They don't have any motivation to go to bat for that particular candidate. So when the hiring manager says no, they're not going to say, well, listen, Jerry, I know you're the VP of marketing, and I'm the internal recruiter. I'm going to give you pushback because I think this candidate does have some qualities and a historical track record of accomplishing the outcomes you want this person to. They're not going to do that. So we lose something. Here's an example. My colleague, Emily, she has a candidate that we pitched several opportunities to him, and he's a well-known uh, partner within a very in-demand field with a very large firm that everybody knows. It told, him, it told him about two or three uh, opportunities. He said no on all those, but he did say, but if you know what? If you can get me an interview with such and such firm, I'd be real interested in that. Well, why is that? Well, we found out one of his very close friends is the head of that practice group. Now, they've never had a conversation about working together, but they've been good friends. And in our space, usually when we present someone, that they don't know who it is, then that's kind of a problem. We only, when it's within our space, we present people that everybody knows, everybody's heard of. It's just the issue is that conversation of that person's candidacy has never come up. So Emily talked with the client, and she had a good rapport with him, and I told her, this is what you say. And he said, I'm going to pass on so-and-so. I'm going to pass on him. Because we have some other matters going on right now that are taking priority. And she asked me, how should I handle it? I so said, this is what you say. We want to get a meeting. Because sometimes during that meeting, chemistry takes place. They fall in love. Even though there are some other matters and some other priorities, all of a sudden they see some opportunities and that would not come up unless we had a conversation. So I told her, I was, this is how you overcome that. This is how you get that pushback. So she did pushback with the client. This is a real high-level guy with a high-level firm. And sure enough, we're setting up an interview because we had pushback with the end user. Sometimes we have to do that with our clients. They're saying no to good people. Remember, in our business, the customer is not always right. The customer depends on us to solve their problems, and sometimes they can't see the solution when it's presented to them. And the internal recruiters just can't do that. So in your recruiting model, if that is the place that you're playing your game at, I'd recommend that you look at a couple of ways to do this. There's about four different options for you. Uh, one of them is to go around or to bypass you can either go around or bypass that internal recruiter i had this one client recently that if i wanted to pursue them and i chose not to but if i wanted to in the very first email that she sent to me when i made contact with the head of this practice group he forwarded my message to her she got back to me and at the very end of her email said, please do not contact the partners. Well, that doesn't fly with me. I mean, that's just not how I work. I'm probably going to choose not to have them as a client. And really, there was no opportunity for us to work together. But if she doesn't give me access next time, I'm going to go around or bypass because I really don't care. I'm not getting the business anyways. So if you're not getting the business anyways, this could be viable, but it's risky. If you don't care about ever working with that organization, it might be viable. But if you see that there is the potential of a placement that could happen here, and I don't want to screw it up, check your ego at the door, folks. This is not about making your ego feel good and saying it's my way or the highway. No, it's about making placements, and we have to use a different strategy with each scenario. The danger is that you could lose this account for a long time. It would be very hard for you to go back in and rebuild credibility. And if you go to that line manager and say, Susie's not getting back to me, well, you know what? Their loyalty is with their colleague, even if it's a staffer, even if, if it's an internal recruiter. So if you go around, you need to be very delicate with that. And I could spend a lot of time doing that, but but one idea is to say that you hadn't heard, and if they could get back, you know, you know, one, one thing you could do, and I've done this successfully, is if I'm not hearing back from the internal recruiter, I'll go back to the hiring manager and say, uh, Jeremy, about two months ago we talked, and you suggested I reach out to so-and-so, I've not heard back from so-and-so, so so I assume that this position might not be a priority from their perspective. However, based on our conversation, you told me clearly this was one of your top priorities, so I thought it might make sense, both in terms of proceeding forward and in terms of uh, a developing relationship, for me to deal with you directly on this. I'd be happy to include your internal recruiter on any communication to help you comply with your internal hiring policies. So... You're, you're telling them that you always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. You don't want to say, so-and-so didn't get back to me. Say, so-and-so might have some different priorities with respect to his hiring right now. So for that reason, I didn't hear back. So I assume that what might make sense is for me to deal with you directly. Always give people a chance to exit gracefully and save face. You don't ever want to put somebody underneath the bus, even if it's clear that they're self-sabotaging or they're making decisions that are not in the company's best interest don't ever do that always lift people up take the high road give them a chance to exit gracefully and let them save face so that's the first option you could go around or bypass second option is this this is the one i'd recommend you want to start at the top Let's say that you have an IT manager. You want to talk to the VP of IT or however that, whatever that title is and not go through HR. If you start at the top, then it's going to show that internal recruiter that you already have influence. You're already there when you deal with that executive. They might tell you, well, you'll have to deal with their internal recruiter. Well, that's terrific, Jeremy. I'd be glad to do that. Who would you recommend I talk to? You know That's terrific. Would it be possible for us to arrange a conference call? Arrange a conference call with you, the hiring manager, and the internal recruiter. If that's not a possibility, then say, can you at least email me or email my internal recruiter and let, let them know that I'm going to be calling them this afternoon? Can you at least do that? Sure, I'll do that for you. And then you want to do this. Say, sometimes within internal recruiting departments, their priorities for whatever reason, are not the same as your priorities. And if I just am not able to get any traction with them, can you at least promise me that you'll keep an open door so I can come back to you and work with you and we'll just copy them on all the emails? Can you at least promise me that? And guess what? You're negotiating now. You'll have people that say no, but you'll have a lot of people that say yes. That's fine. That's fine. If you're not getting what you need over there, let me know. Or just deal with me directly. And they might even confide in you and say, you know, we've had the same problem before, so I'm not surprised. Uh, But that's number two, start at the top. Number three, look for opportunities to go through them. That doesn't mean you go around. It doesn't mean you bypass. It means that you're allowing that internal recruiter to help you build relationship within your firm, within your client's firm or company. You're looking for opportunities to go through them. That means you ask them to set up conference calls. So look for scenarios where there is a justifiable reason to talk to that line manager. Look for those. And remember, any time we do anything in recruiting, we're looking to accomplish multiple outcomes. So with my client, the one that I'm I'm really going to drop like a hot potato, I, I told her, I said, I'd really like to talk to Nick because there are some unique aspects related to this candidate's situation that I thought it might be good for the three of us to talk about together. And she was fine with that. And then at the very end of that call, I told the line manager, now I know that the interim recruiter is on the line. I said, Nick, I, there may be a chance where I have a quick question for you related to this candidate's experience. Are you okay if I just shoot you a quick email or give you a quick phone call at some point. Are you okay if I do that directly? Now, I know the internal recruiter is on the other line, and he, he did the right thing. He said, I have to defer to our internal recruiter. If she's okay with it, then I'm okay with it. And of course, she's on the spot. What's she gonna say? No, I'm not misrepresenting their company in a way, or I'm not representing them in a way that's unprofessional. I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm, I'm serving them, and they know it, and they trust me, and so she said yes. Now for, whatever re- for various reasons, I'm not going to work with this, this organization anymore, but I was able to go through her. I was able to go through to the line manager, now I have the authority to talk to that person. Now I've developed this as a model. Some clients, some of my clients, I have to deal with the internal recruiter, but I'll set up a meeting between me and the internal recruiter and one of the partners that's looking to grow his or her group. So we're having a face-to-face meeting. Yeah, it takes some time and it takes money, but it makes the relationship really good. We set expectations of who's talking to whom. And during that meeting, I asked that line manager, you know, Chris, are you okay if I talk to you? Lindsay, how do you feel about that? Are you okay if I just reach out to Chris directly? Sure, I'm fine with that. And then they trust you. And so she's done this two other times. She's set up conference calls with me directly with two other, uh, other people that were growing their groups. And she's not even involved anymore because she trusts me. Uh, and she's she's a gem. She's a gem. She's an internal recruiter, but she does have legitimate pushback within that organization. She can snap her fingers and get things done. We've got another client where we're dealing with a, not necessarily an internal recruiter, but someone that's on the executive level, a hiring partner that does have political capital within that group that can snap her fingers and get people to take action. And that's something that a lot of these internal recruiters don't have. And when you have those relationships and they see how you talk, they see how you... Conduct yourself in a business setting, and they know that you're giving them good people and that you're making placements. They trust you. They give you free reign. And that's what you're looking for eventually an organization where you have free reign within them. I've got another client where the only time I talk to the internal recruiter is when we're talking about the invoice for the fee. I've had a, I have a very good relationship, but she trusts me. So I don't even talk to her. The, the, the line managers. The hiring managers, the practice group leaders, the managing partners, they call me directly, and I just copy her, hey, so-and-so called me and gave me a search. She even had another search. She called me and said, talk to so-and-so. Ideally, that's what you want, and you can get that when other recruiters are stuck at the internal recruiter level, when you have the right type of rapport and trust level. It's going to become very easy for you to go through those groups. Now, you're asking me what happens... If I'm dealing with a company and they're just not giving me access and they're not returning my calls and they're not telling me why, they're not taking my candidates, they're going forward with my candidates, and it's just not—it's like a one-way relationship. They give me a search, I give them candidates, and then I don't even know if they're interested or not. I can't get access to them. Well, this is option number four. You can reject them as a client. You don't need every company as a client. You really don't. And this all goes back to the phrasing and the attitude that you need to have when you're bringing on a new client, and it goes something like this. I'd be interested in discovering if we are a good fit to work together for me to help you reach your goals. So when they call you or you come across them and they say we have a search, I'd be interested in discovering if we are a good fit to work together for me to help you reach your goals. What are you saying? You're saying, I can't guarantee that I'm going to work with you yet because I don't know if you qualify to fit the criteria of the family of clients that I keep. You want to be very busy. You want to be very you – know, and, and now, if you're brand new in the business, it might be hard for you to say this. But if you've got the attitude and if you've got good deal flow, good cash flow, and you say this, it sets a whole different posture with your clients. Whoever needs it the least always wins. You want your clients to need you more than you need them, and the only way you're going to do that – is by expanding your network of prospective clients. Now, by the way, some of you guys are coming to Vegas. I've got a a CD program. A lot of the information is on the coaching club website. So you don't feel like you have to order that. Now, that's the new one that I did. It takes all the client development information that I talk about in that seminar, and it puts it right there on the CD. As a coaching club member, you do get a discount. Look for the information on your homepage, and I I think it's like 25% off. So if there's any products that you want, uh, you get 25% off as a member. But all the information is on the website, but in that, it's a 36-module. It's on seven CDs. I thought it was going to be six, but it's more information. It's seven hours of audio info about client development. And I talk about this concept, about developing that posture. You don't want to seem too eager. It's a concept called playing reluctant seller. That's a negotiation principle. To play reluctant seller when you're dealing with your client and it's an internal recruiter you might have to reject them so like i'm going to do with my client i'm not i've been thinking should i just call them and tell them i've been thinking you know i've been thinking since the last scenario of you guys kind of dropping the ball with this candidate i've been thinking that i might want to turn you into a source no i'm not going to say that i'm just going to let time evolve and i'm not going to reach out to them and they're going to get the picture that they just don't fit the criteria of a firm that fits within my family of clients. It's just not going to happen. You have control. You can reject your clients. In fact, you want to be losing about the bottom 15% of your clients every year. And the only way you're going to do that is by increasing the flow of them in the top end. You want to get more business, better business, and all the business. So let's go back to the internal recruiter part of it. Let's just say you hit a wall with an internal recruiter and you can't get any feedback, they're not returning your calls, here's a couple of ideas. One of them is get other advocates involved if possible, such as an executive within that company. You want to look for excuses to get that conference call. So let's say you're in a search, and you hit a wall, and you're just not getting any feedback. Talk to the candidate. Find out, is the candidate still interested? Yes, they are. Are they on the fence? Yes, they are. And if the candidate requests that you and the client hiring manager have a conference call about the candidate's issues, then the odds are going to increase that you can get that call scheduled. So let's say that the candidate is wondering why. That Why is the client not going forward, Scott? Well, I don't know. I don't know, David. I have no idea why. What might be helpful is for me to have a conference call with, my, with the executive responsible for the position because internally I'm kind of getting stuck at the internal recruiter level. But if I tell them that you requested that he and I have a call to find out more because you're on the fence about going forward and it might make sense for me to have a one-on-one conversation to get some real issues resolved, I think I can schedule that call and get some momentum back on this situation for you. So I'm asking for you to request that I reach out and schedule a one-on-one conference call. You want me to tell you that? Yes, I want you to tell me that. Okay, please request it. Okay, good. Now I can tell them that you requested that me and the executive have a one-on-one conversation to discuss some of the issues and why you're on the fence about not wanting to go forward. it. We, we, we always have to use the truth in what we tell people, but we can reverse engineer it just like this. And we're doing that. It's not manipulative. It's influenced to serve the people that we're doing business with. Another way you can gain some traction back is to give them an expiration date such as other offers, or too much time has gone by. We've got one situation with the client. Haven't heard back. Assuming there's no interest. Joe, I haven't heard back from you. i put a couple of calls into you after submitting the candidate. Uh, I, I know that you said you had a need, so I'm assuming that for whatever reason this candidate isn't fitting that bill. If you can let me know why, I'd appreciate that, because that gives me information that I can apply to the search to fine-tune it and get people that are a much better fit. But I know you're busy, so if I don't hear from you by tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll assume that you're not interested in this candidate, and I'll let them know that because I've got some other clients that are interested in them. Now, if they're interested, they're going to call you back, and you say it in a way that you're doing them a favor. I know you're really busy, so just don't call me back, and I'll just tell the candidate that you're not interested. And that's okay because I've got some other companies that are really interested in them, so don't feel bad about the candidate here's another tip in moving forward with your clients always get next steps and the agenda over the next few weeks so when you submit a candidate find out what's going to happen next and when okay well i'm going to talk to bob and if he's interested i'll be back in touch with you terrific when should i'll be around next week when do you think you'd be able to get back with me now you don't have to hold them to every different phase But you could say, terrific, these are some times that work for the candidate in terms of setting up meetings. Or this is the candidate's travel schedule. He's available all this month except for this week because he's got business travel. Here's another tip. When you develop a new relationship with an internal recruiter, ask them to define their process from the time you submit a candidate to the time the candidate actually starts. So if you have a new client, you're dealing with the internal recruiter, you don't know what you're going to get, say, okay, Joe, it was great talking with you. I'm going to go ahead and commence the search like we talked about. And by the way, I've got a question for you. Let's say I find someone and I present them to you. From that point to the time that they show up and start work, what are the steps of your hiring process? Well, I'm going to present this to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, and they're going to tell me yes if they're interested or no if they're not. And if they are, then then they go through the process. Then they even talk about the offer. Who comes up with the offer? How is that offer given? Is it given in a conversation? Is it something that they negotiate during a meeting? Or how does it work? And then at least you know what to expect when you deal with them from going forward. Well, folks, I've actually gone over the time I normally do. It's almost 1.30. And uh, normally I do about 15 to 20 minutes of training, but... I think this is an issue that a lot of people really need help with. I do, and I run into these things all the time. And I think by just being educated on this and being aware and being prepared, you'll know how to determine when you're dealing with a low-probability situation, kind of like what I just happened with with that situation, and how to resolve it. And sometimes the only recommendation I would have for you in a scenario is to walk away from the client just realize that that particular company is not a fit. Don't get upset about it. Don't get mad. Don't call them names and don't get passive aggressive towards them. Just let it go. It's just the way it is. There's other companies. You can get other business, better business, and eventually all the business from those companies are going to appreciate you.
0: Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Visit my website for free tools, free videos, free audios, free downloads that can help you build more. And if you're willing to invest the same amount that you pay for cable every month in your own success, consider joining the Coaching Club. Try it for a month. If it doesn't work for you, cancel. No big deal. Visit the website link, greatrecruitertraining.com. Click on the link that says Coaching Club and try it today. Talk to you next time. Now get back on the phone.